Oh, it's an exciting day on Sports Day Tampa Bay because we're getting closer, oh so closer, to college football. Not that far away. And how do we know this? Because Matt Baker, the Times writer who covers college football for us, is on his way back from the SEC meetings in Destin, Florida. We're going to talk to him about so much, including Billy Napier, his plans for year two, some news on on the swamp and, and some plans they have to upgrade that facility as well as just all the, the weirdness that is the SEC meetings that are going on right now. But first, um, I want to tell you guys about a, a story that uh, came across, I think it was late last night, and it was really something first posted by uh, Raheem Morris's wife, Nicole, on, on her Instagram page. We all know Raheem Morris, uh, former Bucks head coach, longtime defensive uh, coach, defensive coordinator, even coached wide receivers in Atlanta. Uh, I think he should be a head coach. He's had many interviews these last few years. His time, hopefully, is coming again for him. Um, but a uh, great guy, friend of the podcast for sure. So he's in Las Vegas um, at the Encore, uh, a hotel there, when he saw a uh, a young boy drowning in the hotel pool. And so he uh, he acted quickly. This was a three-year-old boy who had no pulse when he was taken out of the pool by his father and brought to the lifeguard. And so the lifeguard began performing CPR. And so Rahim came over to see what he could do to help. And he saw a bunch of people calling 911. And his first reaction was, where's the AED? Um, and, of course, if, if you know, that, that is the, the well, it's, it's the equipment that kind of helps jumpstart the heart. It's an, it's an electrical shock, basically, to, to apply to the heart to help its rhythm. And it was used, of course, most recently, uh, and this was going through Raheem's mind, uh, Buffalo Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, remember when he collapsed on the field back in January. And Morris had had some training, as had uh, a lot of uh, the, the Los Angeles Rams staff uh, with uh, uh, their vice president of sports medicine, Reggie Scott. So this was fresh in his mind. Where's the AED? Where's the AED? Uh, so it, it, uh, they were able to, to get that and uh, with the assist from Raheem, and because of his, his quick actions, um, they were able to uh, use the electrical shock to restore um, the rhythm of the heart. So, in essence, his quick thinking um, saved this this, uh, this young young child's life. And he also thought, and I thought this was interesting too, that he he mentioned Hamlin's situation as well as the recent drowning of of, of Bucks linebacker Shaquille Barrett's two year old daughter. That you know, just increasing the awareness, um, and I think that that will be the outcome of, of that tragic situation too. That people will become more aware of what they can do, how they can prevent these sort of incidents. But quick acting by Raheem Morris uh, to find that AD and and help restore the heartbeat of that young child's life saved it. So well, isn't that what Demar Hamlin? You know, after yes. this whole incident, he went, he started talking out about it, and it was about raising mm-hmm. awareness of. You know yeah. what the medical professionals in Cincinnati did that night, but right. the the importance of knowing what to do in those situations, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's one of locating the things, it. Yeah, and, and Demar's talked about you know taking that event and make doing positive things out of it, and you know, if the NFL, you know, put more emphasis on training their personnel about those situations and, and I'm sure they've done that before but maybe they did refreshers after DeMar Hamlin and that I think they did and, yeah. and the fact that 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 helped Raheem Morris save a kid's life yeah I, I mean that's that's the best possible outcome of, of things like that that you can 
you can have happen. And, and it's wonderful to see. And, and, you know, I love when organizations, you know, are, are helping people to help others. And, mm-hmm. you know, you never know if you'll ever use it. Hopefully you never have to. Right. But Raheem Morris in that moment, while others called 911, which is great and very helpful, and there was a doctor on site, but getting the AED there as quick as possible and, and going, hey, I need to find that. Yeah. You know, who knows if, if that the speed of that isn't what saved the kids. Life. I mean, there's a lot of things that went into it, but well, I think it very likely did. And that's the, the key is like, do, do you have those sort of devices uh, at your disposal, mm-hmm. especially in public places? And if you do, do you know where they are? You mm-hmm. know, can you can you can you locate them and then and then know how to use them uh, in, in the event that you have to be the one that's operating them? So all that training, I'm sure he got from the Falcons. Um you know, medical staff, uh, it was fresh in his mind. He was able to act quickly. So, yeah, DeMar Hamlin's incident has already uh, saved at least one life we know of and probably countless more. And and I think that uh, if and when we eventually get around to talking to Shaquille Barrett about that awful tragedy and the loss of his two-year-old daughter, that too will become a, a cautionary tale for parents, especially in the state of Florida where there's lots of swimming pools and bodies of waters and it happens far too frequently than you even realize. I live across the street from... Um, somebody who's uh, very high up in the uh, um, the Hillsborough County uh, uh, Fire Department, and uh, he said, "Rick, he goes, this is like every day. He goes, and multiple times a day. He goes, you just, it's not as publicized because these aren't, you know, necessarily, you know, somebody that's uh, the child of somebody you would recognize. Um, but we we get these calls all the time, especially here in Florida. So." Something to keep in mind and, and, and just a, uh, another reason to like Raheem Morris, <laughs> which I already do. Somebody asked me the other day, how is this guy not a head coach? And I don't have a great answer for you. I, I just um, I feel like, you know, he was thrown into an impossible losing situation um, that was built to lose back when he was 32 years old. Managed to go 10-6. and six. His second year was 4-2 and two in his third year when the wills came off and they simply – didn't spend any money on free agency, so when they got injuries, they couldn't. They didn't have the, the people to replace those players, uh, and then it, it all just kind of went downhill from there. But everywhere he has been, um, whether it was in Atlanta uh, when they went to a Super Bowl, I mean, and won a championship, like uh, the Rams when they won a Super Bowl, he's been an integral part of so much success throughout the league, uh, even when he coached receivers in Atlanta with Julio Jones' best years. Um, and I just, you know, knowing his personality, knowing the way the NFL is today, and the, and, and the players that come to the league and how different they are. Raheem's the perfect communicator for all of that. I just hope he gets a head coaching job. It's nothing to do with him saving the life in Las Vegas, which is far more important, but that's my, my shameless plug. All right, we got Matt Baker coming up somewhere on a highway on his way back from the SEC meetings. We'll get to him in just a second, but first I want to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. Why haven't you done this yet? It's May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area for 13 years a lot of these companies out there, they'll knock on your door. Listen, May Electric Solar, the difference is they're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That's what they're calling the May difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing so you can see what they're going to install, and they will customize that installation to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So you know all those people up there on the solar panels, on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys. They're the ones doing the job, and that's important. Start saving right now, today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 
800-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, best time of the week, really any week, we get a chance to talk to Matt Baker, who covers college football and many other things for us at the Tampa Bay Times. And Matt, you are on your way back from the SEC meetings. I have never attended one of these things, but when I think about the SEC and I think about the head coaches in particular and the ADs and the egos that must be assembled uh, in one locale, just what is that vibe like? What is it like to be around that many, uh, you know, sort of movers and shakers of that conference? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rick. It's it's such a weird dynamic. It it absolutely is because – like SEC media days, all the coaches are there, and but it's so formal, right? It's so scripted, you know, at such and such a time, this guy's talking here and then this guy's talking there. The, the meetings are so much more informal and weird. It's at this giant uh, Sandestin, or Hilton Sandestin, um, up in up in Destin, where a chicken salad sh- sandwich and chips cost $16.05. Uh, Wi-Fi is $100 a day, unless you have the passcode. And there's... It's, it's this giant resort, right? So you got, yes, you have all the ADs and all the presidents and Nick Saban walks by and Jerry Stackhouse walks by because he's the head coach at Vanderbilt. And then some random shirtless, shoeless guy walks by because he's on his way to the pool. And it, it was the, <laughs> the, the darn, darndest thing on Tuesday. Uh, Lane Kiffin is holding court in the, the SEC kind of meeting rooms area. But also there's like a conference room, ballroom area behind him for the Mississippi osteopathic something something conference i'm like I'm, I'm looking behind and there's like a drug reps for some diabetes company and some pharmaceutical firm selling blood clotting uh medicine and lane kiffin's holding court right in front of it and then i look over to my <laughs> left and, and I, I swear to god right i look over to my left and there's this family walking by and there's this giant inflatable unicorn floaty that's banging on the ceiling as they're headed from the, the pool area to their elevator. Well, I'm talking to Lane Tiffin about the transfer portal and NIL. It is so, it's so weird. Like, I met this woman, I'm sorry to keep rambling, I met this wonderful woman named Margaret uh, on, on Wednesday who was there for the Mississippi whatever it is. She's a doctor, a huge SEC football fan, a huge Alabama fan. So she's just like people watching and you know, but there's two dozen reporters hanging around waiting for a meeting to end so we can ask this AD about eight games versus nine games. She's just like chatting with everybody. She's like, I want to go talk to uh, Greg Byrne, the Alabama AD. I want to ask him about our quarterback situation in the defensive line. I got some questions. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just so bizarre and it's, it's wonderful. I mean, yes, I actually like do work. I don't just people watch and you, you get to talk to a bunch of coaches and ADs and less formal settings. And I you know, wrote a bunch up there and came back with a bunch of stuff too. But it's just one of the more bizarre things I do every year, and it's very hard to describe to somebody who's never experienced the Hilton Sandestin on Memorial Day week. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a mouthful, right? Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> uh, a great resort like that, and then the SEC descends on it with all their coaches and egos. Um, pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned uh, a minute ago Mississippi State, and um, I was unaware of this till we talked just, just a little while. That's how plugged in I am right now, but – a name that people here in Tampa Bay are familiar with, Selman. You had a chance to talk to Zach Selman, who is Dewey Selman's son, Leroy Selman's nephew, now the AD at Mississippi State. Yeah, so this is one of those times where their meetings break and you grab somebody, and I kind of 
we, we ducked over by the elevators where we could talk privately for you know, 10 minutes. And he could not have been nicer or more gracious with his time talking to me. Because again, he doesn't know me from anybody. He just knows sure. I'm with the Tampa Bay Times and he knows what the Selman name means in Tampa. And, and we said, uh, started, started at Mississippi State as the AD in January and a couple weeks after, or a month or two after the, the death of Mike Leach. And uh, just a tough time for him to, to start in on, but he's already kind of making his mark. And I, I will tell you this, he could not have been a nicer guy. And, and the mm. Tampa area means a lot to him. Um, I'll write yeah. more about this in the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com, but he his road to becoming an SEC AD started in Tampa when he was in seventh grade. He'd come to town to see, uh, you know, to visit with Uncle Leroy, who was the AD at USF, and he saw the mark that he was making on, on all the, the the young people there. And when his playing career was over, he got into administration at OU and now at Mississippi State. And I'll I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll save a lot of the other stuff for the story, but. We talked about USF a little bit, and, and he's like, you know, he doesn't know all the details of what's going on with the Bulls, but he knows where they were when he was visiting them, and they were in trailers or whatnot. And he knows where they are now, and, and he told me Uncle Leroy would be so proud, mm. and, and I think that's that was a very very cool moment. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is, and it kind of gives me chills because a uh, hundred thousand years ago, when they when they talked about having football, Leroy Selman was that guy, right? He was the yep. sort of the ambassador bringing football to USF, and I can remember him meeting at the Times in what was then the old Tramer cafeteria and, 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 and pitching USF football, and it seemed foreign um, and, and maybe almost impossible, but so many more years later, here we are, and his nephew now, um, the AD at Mississippi State. That's that's really cool. Look forward to reading that uh, in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. All right, so – down to business, which I'm sorry, but we have to start with the Gators because, gosh darn it, that's what everybody wants to know about. Um, yep. So you had a chance to talk to Billy Napier, and there's been some time now removed from that first season, which, you know, first seasons are first seasons, right? There's a lot of things that, that don't go exactly according to plan and according to script, and even though Anthony Richardson was, you know, a, a top five pick of the Indianapolis Colts and, and all of that, they they didn't manage to win – a number of games that they probably had hoped to win. However, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm just curious what Napier, having had a chance now to take a step back, um, what he sees as, as as those reasons and, and what he's going to do about it uh, pushing forward. Yeah, and to me that's one of the cool things about this event is because you get guys when they're more relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. And there's only so much they can do in terms of recruiting when they're in all these meetings and a couple of us sat down with Billy on uh, Wednesday morning over coffee, and he was pretty candid, I thought, in his assessment of everything. And he, yeah. uh, I'm going to make this very clear. No, he was not making excuses. He said, hey, look, no excuses, right? That I, I won't yeah. These are not excuses. However, there can, you, can make, you, can make, you can explain without making an excuse. And one of the things that he said was an issue was, you know, first-year staff is hard enough anyway, right? Because he took over, officially took over, like a week and a half before the early signing period. You're playing from behind, trying to get the first class while hiring your staff and that stuff. That's hard, period. And then the NIL and transfer portal combination going on at the same time. Those are two different variables that really weren't there a few years ago. But they're here now. And those are things that he had to deal with. And he was saying that, you, know, you only have so much time, and when your time is devoted thinking about those things, that maybe you don't have the, you know, his system, his process doesn't 
factor those in because they're new, then that's less time you're spending on other things. So you're installing your, your system, and I'm not just talking X's and O's, I'm talking everything. You're putting yeah. all that together, and maybe you're not as detailed because your time's a little bit more divided. And those right. are little things that can add up. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic, an interesting uh, wrinkle to it that I hadn't quite thought about. And then here's the other thing. It's going to take more time. If you read mm. between the lines on what mm -hmm. Billy said, he said, you're kind of given your first two years to, to get all this in place. Okay, well, he's had one year, 18 months. That means it's not over. Yeah, mm. uh, uh, We got to talk to Scott Strickland for about 20 minutes before he caught a plane to Arizona to watch the Gators win the uh, golf national yeah, championship. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, yeah really, right? Um, and he was saying, he was asked about uh, year two expectations for, for uh, Todd Golden and for Billy Napier. Both kind of had rocky first years. So what, what are you looking for? And he didn't say, like, wins and losses. It's mm -hmm. is, Does this look like this is a blueprint for sustainable success? Are they yeah. continuing to bring in good players, good coaches? Is everything meshing? Is there a line? All that stuff. If you are, then the results, that, that will show up in the results. But if you keep doing that over time, you're going to run into trophies eventually. So, you know, I think that's correct that you, it takes time to do all that stuff. But again, if you read between the lines, it's not like a, if Billy loses five games, he's out. It's not that type of situation at all. Right. Yeah, it's hard to put a number on, on, uh, on that. And, and I think that he referenced, you know, Spurrier. He referenced Urban Meyer uh, a little bit in your in your uh, story on TampaBay.com. Th those things just didn't happen overnight, you know. Like, um, but they did have sustainable success during those years, and that's what what the Gators are, you know, trying to to create. And if if Napier's the guy, we'll know it after three three years or so, maybe if, if they're willing to be patient with him. Um, and they referenced the golf program, as a matter of fact, as as just that, right? Who just won a national title. So um, that was interesting. Uh, has the recruiting been at this point, Matt, kind of uh, as good or, or uh, what they, they hope for? Well, fans will tell you, no, it has not been as good. Um, throw the first transition class out the window with Billy. You just do. It doesn't count. Sure, you can't sure. judge what somebody can do with that. Okay. But you can look at this, this 23 class and what he did. And it was fine. It, it was fine. I think it was 14th in the country in 247's composite. And transfers are like 17th or whatever. And I forget exactly where that levels out in the end. But it was fine. But fine is not good enough. You, know, you, can, you can view the numbers as deeper than a Dan Mullen class. But the ranking and everything else was about the same. So mm -hmm. th that's it doesn't give me I'll, I'll put it this way. It did not give me a. A, a resounding yes, Billy Napier can recruit at the level necessary to win championships. It wasn't an affirmative. It's it, if anything, it's a still TBD. But this 24 class, and again, it's what is it? June 1st as we record this, so there's a ton of time. But there are some signs early in this 24 class that he's recruiting at a high level. He's got a commitment from yeah. DJ Lagway, who's a five-star quarterback in Texas. Three other top 50 recruits are committed to Florida. If you look at you know, not the overall ranking, but if you just look at like per player, kind of the star ranking, uh, only Alabama and Georgia are higher in the country right now than the Gators. So there are signs that this 24 class can be one that puts them over the top or, or gets them competitive. Um, but, you know, he hasn't played a game yet this season. He's 
well, let's we'll check back here in a couple months and we'll have a better idea. But there's at least some reason for optimism. Yeah, well, they'll have to uh, start with finding a quarterback and all of that. Um, but we'll see how he does in year two. He's going to be playing in a stadium that I think, uh, Matt, you write, is due for a facelift, and that's the Swamp. But is it is it just a facelift or is it a total rebuild? I mean, uh, it's hard to do that when you when you play each fall. But what kind of changes are they hoping for up there at, at, at Florida? Um, all of them. <laughs> that, that's that's the easy answer. Like it, it's it's a weird dynamic, right? Where you got a, a venue like the Swamp, like Lambo, like Daytona, like Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. Speedway. Yeah. These are iconic venues where you can tell with a quick glimpse this this is the Swamp. This is what it is, and and there's traits to it that make it special, but in today's world where there's so many entertainment options, you need to give people reasons to keep coming back other than just the football. If you know nobody wants to go spend $100, $300, whatever it is, to watch a game and sit on an uncomfortable bleachers and then pee in a trough in the bathroom while eating $8 hot dogs. That Nobody wants that. So you have to find ways to modernize the experience while also keeping the swamp the swamp, making it feel like the swamp. And that's what Florida's trying to do. It, it, this has been a conversation for years now. Um, first, they needed to do the football complex, the Hevner, which opened last year. And then, then the next wave is going to be the swamp. And they're going to look at everything. Um, Scott Strickland, the AD, was telling us there's, I think he said, 180,000 square feet of offices in the swamp. Okay, that's great. You, need, people, you know, you, you need rooms for the, the people pusher or the paper pushers to push paper. But it's 180,000 square feet that fans can't use on game days. Mm-hmm. So are, is there a way to move them somewhere else? So that way you can have, you know, if we don't have a, a accountant suite here or whatever it is, we can push, blow that out, add more concourse space, make it easier for people to get in and out. Um, he was saying that if there's 200 points of sale for concessions at the swamp, Lambo has a thousand despite seating like 7,000, 10,000 fewer people. Okay, so what can we do to make that better? Uh, there, there's no kitchen on site at the swamp. So the food has to oh, come wow. from either the O-Dome across the street or the new uh, dining facility at, at the Hefner. Um, that's not a good idea. Like, So how can they add a kitchen so they can have different types of foods, more foods, better foods? All that type of stuff is has been discussed for years, and it's getting closer to okay, this is exactly what we need to do. This is how much it's going to cost. This is when it's going to do it. And, and the other part to this, and I'll be writing about this uh, uh, later this week, is it's, this facility's update is happening at an interesting time in college sports. Because for so long, everything was about facilities, right? With the waterfall, the mini golf courses, the barbershops, virtual reality rooms, all that stuff was pivotal, they said, for recruiting. But... On July 1st, 2021, NIL became legal. And in the mm-hmm. almost you know, the 23 months since then, the importance of facilities has dipped. How much it's dipped depends on who you ask, but it's certainly decreased to some degree. And, 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 and let's face it, there's schools and collectives are fighting for some of the same dollars. All right. Like you, if you're a big time Gator booster, you're going to have to choose unless you're you know, have a zillion dollars, you're going to have to choose. Do I want to give my $100 a month, whatever it is, to the Gator Boosters so they can fund this renovation to the swamp? Or 
uh, Florida Victoria, so they can get a left tackle who can protect uh, Graham Burtz's blind side. Those are real conversations. And, you know, uh, just to kind of close this loop, Strickland said he was with a, a booster or donor not too long ago, and somebody said, all right, I got 100 bucks in my pocket. Do you want me to give it to the Gator Boosters, or do you want me to give it to Florida Victorious for NIL? And he said, well, with all due respect, I'd love for you to find another $100 and give to both. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I, I mean, I think that's I think that's the key, and I, I think what what the NFL has done is what college football will have to do with these stadiums, and that is Matt. No surprise, find revenue producing things. Right? You you talked about yep. how um, the concessions, for example, right? Um, ben Hill Griffin Stadium only has two hundred uh, points of sales, right? And they looked at Lambeau, according to your story, and they saw one that has a thousand points of sales for concessions. Yep. I mean that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about ways of making money with these buildings um, and putting all the bells and whistles in them so that you can do that. Uh, and that might be displacing a few athletic department people. <laughs> I don't know what the offices are used for, but they may have to come up with a way to to house them someplace else. But Fascinating. Uh, speaking of stadiums, um, just real quickly, uh, the last time we spoke, uh, you had written a story about USF and them uh, actually uh, putting a price tag and kind of breaking down the funding. What, what's is there anything any update on on USF Stadium uh, pursuit here, or are we you know going through that process now of of, of trying to uh, to 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 build it, put a put a dirt in the shovel or a shovel in the dirt, I guess. Yeah, so that process is still ongoing. The next date is June 13th, and that's when the full board of trustees is going to, to discuss this issue or hear this issue. And the expectation is is that they're going to move this forward. I mean, look, I, I, I think even USF Stadium critics, I think, would say that the cake's kind of in the oven at this point. Um, yeah. You And to me, I think I've said this on the show, but the turning point was when in March, when they officially agreed to spend $22 million on the design phase, I, I found it hard. The idea would be hard to, to agree to spend $22 million to design it and then throw that money away. Uh, I understand the whole sunken cost fallacy or whatever, but I, I yeah. didn't think that was going to happen. And so the June 13th is the day that I expect this to be rubber stamped and, and mm. full speed ahead. But you know, I'm still reporting on this issue. Um, I've, uh, well, you know, have me on next week, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, or the, or the just before the um, trustees meeting. But I have some questions about the validity of the numbers. Uh, uh, you know, just the projections, the 200 million dollars in in debt. Is is their plan going to work? And I'm talking to some sports economists to give me some insight. But it's. Mm. Look, the cost of this stuff has gone up considerably. You know, we were talking to Alabama's AD on Wednesday, and, and uh, it's been about a year and a half since Bama said, we're going to build a new basketball arena. Our, new, our, our arena is 54 years old, 55 years old. It's, it's, that's not going to fly now. We've got a really good basketball team, basketball program. We need them to play in a good house. Well, the problem is that since, that, you know, since they started kind of thinking about that and coming up with plans and what have you, the, the cost of building an arena, according to Greg Byrne, the AD, has gone up $100 million. So unless you have, you know, he asked us, like if, if any of you have a guy you know, who can give a seven-figure or a, you know, a, a 
hundred million dollar donation, please let them know. We've gotten a lot of million dollar donations and, and we're thankful for it. But if somebody's got a hundred million dollars lying around, call me. We can make this happen sooner. But until yeah. then, you know, we're having to balance that facilities thing with everything else in NIL, and it's you can't you know you can't build it immediately. It takes time, and it, it's yeah. you know USF Stadium's the same way. The price has gone up over the years as, as they decided not to build it and now they're going forward and i have questions about how the numbers are all going to work yeah if you've, if you've ever looked at building a house right now or even buying one the interest rates are a little bit higher than they were just about two or three years ago all right so speaking of usf um alabama who you visited with nick Saban up there in the sec meetings they're going to visit raymond james that game is on september 16th god help the bulls uh, but having said all that, uh, that game will be played. If Nick Saban had his way, Matt, he would not play games like this going forward. What did he have to say about that and 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 restricting schedules to power fight of opponents? Yeah, so he has said for years and kind of reiterated it the other day, like, if it were up to me, the power fives would play the power fives, right? Like, those are yeah. those, look, teams want to play, players want to go to Alabama to play big games. Same that Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida State, Miami, whoever. They want to play those guys. They do not want to play. Look, you didn't sign to Bama, sign with Bama to play USF. I'm so, no offense to the Bulls, but you did. They signed to play Florida and Georgia and Tennessee and Auburn. And right. so it's not a selling point. And look, it, the way attendance has been nationally over the last decade, 20 years, generally speaking, it has gone down at most places. There's a reason. Right stadium capacities have decreased in most places and frankly i expect that to happen at the swamp when when that's done whenever that is um and so they want to play bigger games to get more people more butts in seats and all that stuff and, and some of that would be playing on all power five schedule and if that were to happen then no Dama would not be playing usf and, and i think this is something to kind of monitor going forward um you know there's a lot of as we, we record this, we don't know what's going to happen with the SEC's future schedule. Are they going to stay at eight conference games or nine? nine and then yeah. what about you know, what about the the non-conference schedules and the series like Florida State-Bama and, and Florida State-Georgia and some of the other ones coming up? Um, these types of discussions are, are just have a very real effect on USF, where if there are going to be more power five versus power five games going from nine a year to 10 a year or 11 a year at some of your big schools. That's less room for a USF to get a Florida or to get a Miami or to get an NC state in the future. So that's something that's just kind of warrants watching as uh, you know, USF moves toward this stadium. Uh, what are the teams that are going to be playing in it is a, is a question that's you know, warrants consideration. Yeah, I mean, those home and away series, they finance a lot of the non-Power 5 schools. That would certainly change college football and, and the dynamics of it and all of that. It's already changing uh, quicker than we can imagine. So when you're at these SEC meetings, I don't know if they still do this or if this is even a thing, but like, do, do, do they talk about, uh, and this is easy to say, Georgia or Alabama, just off the top of my head, but like, who's favored? Who's supposed to do what this year? What What's the preseason projections? What are the... What are the big issues facing uh, uh, these two divisions in the SEC? You know, it's it's so weird, Rick, because, again, these are all football coaches, right? They, they, mm-hmm. Our job is to talk ball with them. And when you go to the SEC media days, Alabama's going to get asked about the backup punter 
and and how is your backup <laughs> left guard situation? But yeah, but at this important stuff. At, at this, yeah, exactly the real stuff. But at this event, there's almost no football questions, almost none, to the point wow. where like really, yeah, wow. yeah, really like during the uh, the press conference, you know, Billy Napier had a formal thing with about for about 15 minutes with everybody. I think he was asked one football question about the quarterback situation. Um, <laughs> I don't think Nick Saban was asked any actual football questions. It was all wow. scheduling and NIL yeah. and portal and should players be employees and all that stuff. It, it's just the darndest thing where if you wanted, like, I'll put it this way. Uh, Hugh Freeze, the Auburn coach, was up there at the podium. I it, it, This tells you how dumb I am. It didn't even occur to me to ask him about Brian Batty, the USF running back who transferred there. It just didn't even occur to me because nobody's talking ball. Nobody's talking That's about right. newcomers, your freshman class. It's all about culture and NIL and eight versus nine games and, and all that stuff. Wow. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, we'll be talking lots of ball pretty soon, though. And you can read Thank God. all the ball you want. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I saw the other day <clears throat> where uh, the NFL, start of the NFL regular season, is now less than 100 days away. I think it's probably 97 or 96 or so. And that tells me that college football is even closer because they start yep. – well in advance of the NFL season. So not that much time to take some time, as you, as they say, Matt. So we'll be, we'll be talking lots of ball coming up. He's Matt Baker. You can read him in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. He has all the news from the SEC meetings as he makes his way back from beautiful Destin, Florida. Be careful driving, Matt. We'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, you got it. Thanks, Rick. All right, always great to catch up with Matt. Of course, that'll be occurring with more regularity as we get closer to the college football season. The Rays uh, are continuing their series in Boston. Doubleheader coming up on Sunday, I believe. Um, so Saturday. that'll be something. Saturday. Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, that's right. Um, they'll wrap, wrap up that road trip uh, on Sunday, correct? Correct. Okay, there you go. Uh, knew we'd get it right eventually. Uh, and so we'll be following that over the weekend as well, well as everything else in sports. Be back out at the Bucks next week for continuation of their OTAs. And then the week after that, it is the final mandatory minicamp. Maybe you have some more news about Devin White and the boys. So keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.